Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 27th day of January in the year of our Lord, 2023, and I will be talking about the continual ascent up the escalation ladder in Ukraine by the United States and the NATO nations. Things are starting to look a lot like 1937 again in Europe as a limited war with limited objectives is expanding into a full-blown combined arms conflict. Deals are in the making and have been for weeks to supply Western main battle tanks to Ukraine. Those Deals will open the door for more and more advanced weapons to be introduced into the struggle. The Ukrainian president pleads for more advanced Western weapons, telling the world that Russian, quote, terror can only be stopped on the battlefield. Several NATO countries have agreed to send advanced offensive weapons into the struggle. Pressure to commit main battle tanks, thus expand the war into a combined armed struggle, has been relentless, and it now looks like. The U.S. has succumbed to that pressure. The German government has been under the most pressure recently, accepted the resignation of the German defense minister because of her reluctance to supply Leopard 2 main battle tanks. Poland's tanks came from Germany and the U.S. and are not supposed to be exported without the permission of the country of origin, but now Poland says it will send them with or without permission. The Ukrainian forces know that Russia is only waiting for weather conditions to improve before launching an all-out offensive, which could prove irresistible with the current supply of weapons. Ukraine has main battle tanks already from Poland and the Czech Republic, but those are old Soviet cast-offs which have been modernized. What they want now are the best in the world, that being the U.S. Abrams. The German Leopards and the British Challengers. The Leopard is the primary tank for 13 European countries. They have about 2,000 of them scattered around Europe. Those countries would all be expected to contribute. Under the new agreement, Finland, not yet a NATO member, located right on the Russian border, said it will also send Leopards. The U.S. is the crucial element in the deal because German Chancellor Schultz said that his position depends on that of the U.S. If the U.S. is in and willing to send its Abrams tanks, then Germany is in as well. German tank maker Rheinmetall says it can make 139 more tanks and have the first batch of them ready to ship by April or May of this year. The British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, yes, that's right, folks, Rishi Sunak, Pledge to provide Ukraine with its main battle tank, the Challenger 2. Britain is to start by sending 14 Challengers. But that is all far short of the 300 main battle tanks Ukraine asked for. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. If you were afraid, the war might calm down because the Biden administration is right there to make sure it doesn't. This from Reuters. Quote, the United States aims to break the dynamic of grinding warfare near frozen front lines on Ukraine with newly announced military capabilities that it hopes will breathe fresh momentum into Kiev's battle against Russian forces, a senior Pentagon official said on Wednesday, end quote. The U.S. has announced its latest weapons package worth about $2.85 billion, but there are new weapons, offensive weapons, designed to be game changers. The first part of the package includes 50 Bradley Fighting Vehicles, a medium-armored platform armed with a 25-millimeter gun designed to provide safe transport for soldiers on the battlefield. The Bradleys are designed to complement and fight alongside the U.S. Abrams tanks in their perfect combo for the plains of eastern Ukraine. The U.S. is sending 
18 Paladin 155-millimeter self-propelled howitzers, 36 105-millimeter towed howitzers. The Paladin can fire its 155-millimeter shell 40 kilometers and travel at 39 miles per hour. France and Germany are also sending their own fighting vehicles into the struggle. Germany and the United States will be sending Patriot air defense systems as well, in addition to those weapons. I mentioned the following will also be sent 100 M113 armored personnel carriers, 55 mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles known as MRAPs, 138 high-mobility multipurpose wheel vehicles, rim sea spare surface-to-air missiles, which will be converted from sea-launched and integrated into Ukraine's land-launch system, assorted artillery rounds, ammunition, mortars, rockets, mines, grenades, anti-personnel munitions, night vision equipment, along with spare parts for all those. The Russian embassy in Great Britain pointed out to the British that bringing tanks in would intensify the conflict and add to the casualties, but the British said they want to be part of a game-changing development in Ukraine. I'm guessing they want to give Ukraine an offensive force possibly capable of retaking Crimea. The Biden administration went through some hand-wringing exercises but finally gave in. Finally gave in and agreed to send 31 Abrams into Ukraine. The Western country's supply of main battle tanks is a significant point. It crosses the line previously set in support for Ukraine. Focus seems to be shifting now from helping Ukraine defend itself to supplying it with offensive weapons. Thank God there's still no indication of an intent to supply long-range strike capability. No agreement to give the Ukrainian missiles that could hit deep into Russia if the Ukrainians got the U.S. Army tactical missile system. Then Russia's entire position in Ukraine and Crimea could be untenable. Would the Russians permit delivery of such weapons? Just a guess, folks, but my guess is no. Over the first 11 months of this war, the armor has been the outdated Soviet T-72 on both sides. The new modern tanks like the Abrams and the Leopard are game changers, and they could allow a breakthrough of the Russian battle lines. The Kremlin, through Russian Foreign Minister Dmitry Medvedev, reminded the West that Russia has thousands of nuclear weapons and would use them before suffering a crushing defeat. That reality doesn't deter the Biden administration, which seems willing to risk World War III to bleed Russia dry. So NATO countries are now directly involved in war with Russia. It is no longer truthful to say they're fighting a proxy war or cheering on Ukraine from the sidelines. They're directly involved in supplying the most modern weapons, intelligence, money, ammunition, even personnel in the battle. Poland, which seems to be the most belligerent of the NATO countries, has troops operating in Ukrainian uniforms. U.S. and U.K. special forces are inside Ukraine supplying intelligence and training. Often these special operators are hired as contractors by the CIA to disguise their identities. Guided missile artillery, Patriot anti-missile batteries, now Abrams tanks as well as cash drones, satellite intelligence, human intelligence. Russia has the Wagner Group, a privately owned mercenary army, which is currently on the front lines of the conflict. Russia gets drones from Turkey and Iran. Soldiers are arriving from Syria and other countries hostile to the West. China provides financial support and technology, which Russia, helps Russia replenish it supplies the countries 
now directly involved in this World War III scenario through weapons, money, intelligence, mercenaries, or financial sanctions include the U.S., the U.K., Germany, France, Poland, Lithuania, Canada, Australia, Ukraine, Russia, China, Syria, Iran, Turkey, Japan, Romania, Belarus, and Moldavia. The list spans most of the world. And dare I say, it looks a lot like World War III to me. Turkey's an interesting player in international politics right now, although it's a NATO member. It is clearly on the side of Russia and is supplying drone technology to the Russians, which it got from the U.S., of course. It is holding up the NATO membership applications of Sweden and Finland, and Turkey's diplomats refuse to meet with NATO partners to discuss differences. It will require months, perhaps years, to prepare Ukraine to use these new weapons. You don't just get in an Abrams tank and drive it away. Well, I suppose you could do that, but to operate it effectively in battle requires a great deal of training. The U.S. Army maintains bases in the U.S. designed specifically to teach soldiers tank warfare. Some Ukrainians have been training under U.S. leadership in Germany. Some have even been trained in the U.S., but it will take a lot more, so I suppose... The war is projected to last a long time. That's the idea, isn't it? Just keep it going. I'm now under the heading of just when you think it can't get any crazier, I have to tell you about the almost $100 billion in weapons President Biden in Afga- uh, abandoned in Afghanistan. The Department of Defense says the value of the weapons abandoned is far less than that, but nevertheless... It seems that Mr. Putin is personally negotiating with the Taliban to purchase those weapons. So the United States could and probably will once again find itself supplying weapons to both sides in a war. Yes, that's right, folks. Each side in this Eastern European war will have the most modern, high-tech U.S. taxpayer-funded weapons to kill each other with. If that were all, it would be plenty, but it gets worse to new tanks. Now on their way to Ukraine, or at least in the pipeline, all fired depleted uranium ammunition. As a way of penetrating the armor of opposing tanks, it tends to pollute the landscape on which the war is being fought. But more importantly is that the Russians have said they consider depleted uranium to be a nuclear weapon. This is very ominous, folks, very ominous. Obviously a dangerous escalation. In conclusion, this war... Is not about the U.S. attacking or invading some weaker country, and therefore its technological superiority makes a difference on the battlefield. This is more of a peer-to-peer struggle where economics usually prove decisive. A million-dollar missile can and often does shoot down a billion-dollar aircraft. Each side must calculate the cheapest way to inflict the most casualties on the other until ultimately one side is economically exhausted. This would already have happened in Ukraine, except for the many outside forces who seek to keep it going for their own reasons. Finally, folks, I pray for a negotiated peace that the sides will find a solution. I don't think the neocons in both U.S. political parties want peace, but I know for certain they are human beings and therefore capable of changing their minds, getting a revelation, seeing the light, etc., stopping this death machine before... It's too late. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.